Can you feel the Lord in this place tonight? I believe that God has divinely ordained this moment and this time for you and for me. I believe that it's not an accident that you are here tonight, that you are joining online. I believe the Lord is wanting to speak deeply into your hearts, into your souls, into your minds, into your disappointments, and your hurts, and literally breathe life back into you tonight. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to look at the first 10 verses. It's, it's a, a very strange passage in which a vision takes place and a prophetic utterance takes place that is seen in the moment of the vision, but also seen in the future of Israel. God takes Ezekiel in a vision and commands him to do something that seems quite impossible. In verse 1 it says, Ezekiel writing says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. And the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones and the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a great army. Let me pray for us. Lord, in these next few moments, we need you. Your people are here. They have humbled themselves. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So speak. Speak a prophetic word to your people tonight. And God, as you do those things, we will give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God takes Ezekiel in one of the strangest scenes in all of the Bible, and he takes him into what is called a valley of bones that were completely, completely desolate. They were dried up. The entire place is desolate. I mean, if you're in a valley in an arid place, it's a desert place. There's nothing plush there. 
There are no trees. There are no watering holes. There are no streams. This is probably one of the most hopeless, deserted, desolate places that Ezekiel could ever find himself in. And across this are bones. The, the, not just bones. These are human beings that once lived. And now they are no more. But they are not freshly, they're not just recently deceased. They have been there for so long that the bones are removed from each other and scattered all over the place. And they are completely dried out. And God says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And he looks at the impossibility of the circumstances. I mean, if you look at those circumstances, you say, no, there's no way. There's no way that these bones can live. There's no way that life can come back into this. It's so far gone. It happened so long ago and so much time has passed. There's no way that these bones can come to life again. That's what the human flesh would say. But he said what only you could say at that moment. I don't see a way. This looks impossible to me. But he says, oh, sovereign Lord, you know. What he says is this. I can't see it. I can't comprehend it. But I do know one thing. If you can see it, if you can comprehend it, if you get involved in this, I don't know how, but I know that you can. And God honors him and says, do you know what I'm going to do for you, Ezekiel? He said, I brought you into this desolate place right now. And you proclaim right now that you see no way. But you honor me by saying that I do have the answer. I'm going to allow you to take part in this right now. I'm going to allow you to be the mouthpiece to speak life into this dead valley. And the Bible says that he speaks a prophetic word. And the prophetic word to the bones is that the sovereign Lord says that I am going to make you live again and put breath in you. And I'm going to bring the bones back together and I'm going to cover them with flesh and with muscle. And I'm going to breathe life into you and you will live again. He takes Ezekiel to the most desolate place to show him one thing. Nothing is too far gone for God. No situation is too far gone for God. The entirety of Ezekiel chapter 37 is on the base level. It is a prophecy about Israel. Israel has been sent into captivity. They are being disciplined by the Lord. And they are there for 70 years and they are longing to come back. They, are, they have been in such a terrible place, they can't see any way out of it. This prophecy is about the return of Israel to its place and coming back up and becoming a people of God again. But on the surface level, it is about the redemptive work, the restorative work that God does for Israel. But the, the Bible is replete and filled with God doing this restorative work, this renewing work in people all throughout scriptures. This is a prophecy about Israel, but it is also a personal application that God sees where you are. Listen, this valley of dry bones, he intentionally takes the prophet to there in a place where they felt like there's nobody there. Nobody knows this place is there. Nobody's looking around and God says, I'll come into the most broken place, the most desolate place, and I will speak life into that. One of the stories in the Old Testament is found in the chapters in Genesis between 37 and 50. It is the story of Joseph. 
Joseph is a young man who is the great-grandson of Abraham. He is a man that is filled with promise. When he is young, God speaks to him, and he says, I'm going to do something great in you. I'm going to make you a leader of leaders. He gives him two dreams, and in those dreams, he says, here's what's going to happen to you. He said, you're going to lead your family. Now, the problem with that is you're in a patriarchal society where the father and then the eldest son and then every eldest son, it goes down like this. Joseph is not the eldest. He's nowhere near it. There will eventually be 12 of them. He's number 11. At the time the dream's given, he is the youngest. God gives him these dreams. He goes and tells his parents and his brothers. He said, I had these dreams, and here's what the dreams meant, is that one day I'm going to lead this family, and all of you are going to bow down to me. They were overjoyed, right? Everybody wants to bow down to the younger one, right? They were furious. His father was furious. He said, how dare you even bring this to me? How dare you bring this dream to me? Do you think for any reason that we're going to bow down to you? So he keeps these dreams, but his father sees something in him. His father sees leadership potential in him, God-given leadership, the same leadership that God gave him in a dream, his father sees in him. Because later on, as all of his brothers are out tending to all of the flocks and all of the, the herds that they have, the Bible says that Joseph is given, some translations say a coat of many colors, but it's, it's literally an ornate or special coat that shows that you are in leadership and exempt from the hard labor of work. How do you think that went over with the brothers? They're furious. His father sends him out to check on his brothers. He finds out, he sees that their brothers aren't doing right, and so he comes back and reports it to his father. His father then disciplines his brothers, and the Bible says they hate him even more. His father sends him back out a second time to check on his brothers. The Bible says this time they look out and they say, look, here comes the dreamer. And one of them says, let's kill him. Judah says, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. Let's do something else. Don't kill him. Don't put his blood on our hands. So they capture him, throw him into a pit, and he is sold to a band of slave traders that are coming by. He has a dream years ago that he's going to lead his family. He starts to rise up in leadership in his family when someone else should have been doing that. And just as he thinks that the dreams are going to come to fruition in his own way, as he's thinking about it, all of a sudden he is thrown into a pit and he's sold into slavery. And he is taken to Egypt and he is serving now in the home of an Egyptian official named Potiphar. All of his dreams have been dashed. And yet while he is in the slave home of Potiphar, Potiphar begins to see the leadership gifts that he had dreams about years ago. And Potiphar begins to give him more responsibility. And then he begins to give him more responsibility until the Bible says that Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household over everyone except Potiphar. And then once again, the leadership is rising up. The dreams are rising up in him again. And then he is falsely accused of a crime, given no trial, and thrown into prison. Can you imagine thoughts? I was given dreams by God years ago. I was going to rise up in leadership in my family. And I was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. I was now rising up in leadership in my master's home. And I was falsely accused. No trial. Thrown into prison. And now look at me now. 
But then the Bible tells us that the jailer took notice of Joseph. And he saw the leadership in Joseph. And he began to place him over some of the prisoners. And then he began to place him over other prisoners. And the Bible says that he placed him in charge of everything and gave no thought to anything that he put Joseph in charge of. Joseph comes into contact with two of the king's officials while he is in prison. Two of them have been thrown into prison by the king, Pharaoh. Both of them are being sought out and investigated to find out which one of them is trying to kill the king. Both of them have dreams, and they come to Joseph, and they ask Joseph, do you know what these dreams mean? Notice the progression. He's rising up in leadership and everywhere that he goes. And now, not only is he a dreamer, God has given him the ability to interpret other people's dreams. So he says, I'm familiar with this. What does God want to do? And he begins to interpret their dreams. And for one, he says, here's the interpretation of your dream. In three days, the king is going to come and find you not guilty, and you're going to be restored to exactly the place where you were before. And the other one had a dream, and he said, in three days, the king is going to find you guilty, and you're going to die. And in three days, it happened just like he said it would. And the one who is restored on the way out of the prison to be restored to the king's court looks at Joseph and says, listen, thank you so much. Joseph said, don't you forget me. He said, I will never forget you, ever. The Bible says he walked away and thought of him no more. And for years, Joseph is languishing in a prison cell. Looking back at his life and saying, I know God spoke to me. I know God gave me dreams. I know he gave me promises. And just when I thought they were going to come to fruition in my family, the rug is pulled out from under me. Just when I thought they would come into fruition in my my master's house, the rug is pulled out from under me. Just when I thought that God had provided a doorway through this official in interpreting the dreams, I'm forgotten. And for 13 long years, he is languishing away from the promises of God, thinking, what went wrong? Where did I miss it? Did I not hear him correctly? Where is God in all of this? But the details of Joseph's story are different. But the reality is the same. Many of you know what it's like to know that God has spoken over your life, that God has placed dreams within you, that he has placed hopes within you, and you haven't seen them come to fruition, and you think, where is God? You have dreams of success in business, and all it seems is you have one failed venture after the other, and you wonder, where is God? You dream of walking in your giftedness and the things that God has placed in your life, but somehow you feel like you've been derailed in your calling, and you wonder, is God ever going to bring that to fruition in my life? You've dreamed of financial independence, but every month there are more bills and repairs and unexpected expenses that you barely keep your head above water instead of finding financial strength anymore. You've dreamed of happiness and joy, but a catastrophic event in your life, a diagnosis, a divorce, an addiction, a death, 
has left you reeling and you wonder, am I ever going to have the joy that I feel like God promised in my life? And you wonder, where is God as I'm languishing in this prison of isolation right now? There is a phrase that keeps turning back up in the story of Joseph. As he's in the pit, as he's in the slave owner's home, as he's in the prison, and he thinks he's lost and forgotten. The phrase is, but the Lord was with Joseph. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, and Joseph felt the presence of God. Maybe he did, but it doesn't tell us that. And I can't impose that on the passage. All I can tell you is this. There is a matter-of-fact statement there that whether Joseph knew it or not at that moment in time, whether he sensed it at all, the statement is this. The Lord was with him. And there are times that you will just have to stand on the promises of God when you were languishing and you were worried that God has given up on you or the dreams are not going to come reality in your life. You have to stand on the promises of God that the Lord is with you whether you feel it or not. That Deuteronomy tells us and Hebrews reminds us that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. You have to stand on the word of God when you don't feel the presence of God sometimes because the word of God does not shift like sand. The word of God is steady and true and the Lord changes not. But in chapter 41, there is a moment where everything changes. The king, Pharaoh, has two dreams that disturb him greatly. They've kept him up at night, and so he goes to his court and to his interpreters of dreams, and he says, what do these mean? And none of them can find out. As a matter of fact, he's so angry with them, he tells them, I don't trust you. You're going to have to tell me the dream, and then you're going to have to interpret it. And they said, nobody can do that one. All of a sudden, this court official that was falsely accused years prior, says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said I would never forget this guy, but I've forgotten him. There's a guy in prison, and he's an interpreter of dreams. Let the king send for him and see if there's anything that he can do. And listen, here's what the Bible says. Suddenly, at once, after 13 years of languishing, wondering where God is, as quickly as he was thrown into prison, he was pulled out of prison, he was given clothes, cleaned up, and all of a sudden he is standing within mere moments in the court of the king. The Bible says that the king said to him, I am told you can interpret dreams. And he said, only God can do that. But if he'll speak through me, I'll tell you. And he begins to tell him what his dreams were. And he begins to interpret those dreams. And the dreams literally meant there are going to be seven good years here in Egypt. And then there are going to be seven terrible years of famine. And he said, the king needs to prepare right now for that. And the king said, is there anyone in Egypt like this? Is there anyone who has the voice of God and knows the, the, the hand of God? Is there anyone with better skills than this one to lead us? So he takes off his signet ring. He puts it on his finger. He elevates him and he says, I want to introduce you all to this former prisoner. He's now prime minister here. And he is second only to me. 
suddenly and at once. You know what I find in following the Lord? You long and you ache and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you say, God, will you hurry up? God, will you make it happen? God, will you hurry up? Hurry up, hurry up. And God then turns things around at such a dizzying pace. You sometimes say, God, you might want to slow down a little bit. I've seen it happen. I think sometimes he just goes, Kirk, I don't know what you want sometimes, man. And everything changes. When Joseph received the dreams years prior, he thought he was going to lead his family. He had no idea he was going to lead the greatest nation, the strongest nation on the face of the earth at that time. Because God's dreams were so much bigger than the way that he could interpret those things. When God takes Ezekiel out into the valley of dry bones, he takes him to a hopeless situation. It looked like Israel was never going to recover. Ezekiel is in pain, thinking about his people and the suffering. And God takes Ezekiel right to the middle of his pain. And he says, you see this hopeless situation. He said, I want you to speak prophetically to it. I want you to speak to it and say these words. And the words were, the sovereign Lord says, I'm going to bring life back into you by putting breath into you. I'm going to fill you and pull you back together, bring the bones back together, put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. And then I'm going to breathe life into you. And he said, prophesy that to them. And the Bible says, he said, as I was speaking the words, bones of skeletons started coming from all over, finding their right owner and coming back together and lining up in a perfect skeleton. He said tendons begin to form on the bones and then muscles begin to cover the bones and then skin begin to cover the bones. But listen, notice what it says. As he's prophesying, you're going to live again. Breath's coming into you. All these things are happening. The Bible says that they become fully formed as humans, but not alive. They're not yet living. And this is what I need you to understand. When you are in that place that feels desolate, even when God is speaking over you, you have to believe. You have to believe that God is piecing your life and your destiny back together even when you are unaware of it. Those bones that came together, that flesh that formed over them, the skin that was over that, when they look like fully human formed human beings, they aren't yet living. They have no idea they came back together. They have no idea that they have formed a vessel to contain the very breath of God in them. They have no idea. Joseph has no idea when he's languishing in that prison. He has no idea when he's asking God, where's that court official? Where is he that said I was never gonna be, he was never gonna forget me? What is going on? Why am I here? He has no idea that if God would have used that moment and brought him out then, that the timing wasn't right. The pieces weren't in place. God hadn't formed everything. That Joseph wouldn't have risen to the right level of leadership that God had called him to all of his life. You see, there wasn't a famine coming at that time. There wasn't seven years of good that were coming at that time. It was just the right time at just the right place when Pharaoh was disturbed by a dream that he needed the leadership that God had called him to and all of these years he thought he was languishing, God was preparing. Can I just tell you something tonight? 
Even as God speaks life over you, when you are unaware of it, God is putting the pieces together to give your life and destiny purpose. And you may not understand it, you may not can see it, but you have to believe that God is at work in your life. Amen? And then he tells Ezekiel, you see all those bodies that are formed? Speak to the wind. Speak to the breath. Call the breath from the four winds and ask it to fill them with life. He is literally calling upon the very spirit of the living God to breathe. The word breathe, the same word that is used for the spirit in the Old Testament and the spirit of God in the New Testament. It is pneuma in the New Testament. It is ruach in the Old Testament. The very same word is the very same word that is the Holy Spirit, the very breath of life. He says, speak to the Holy Spirit to breathe life into these. I've pieced them together. I've prepared them at this, but they're not living yet. Speak to the Spirit of God and ask him to fill them with the very breath of God so that they may live. And as he prophesies that, the winds begin to blow and the breath of God began to come into them. And the Bible says that they stood up alive and they formed an army. The second thing I need you to know is this. You have to believe that the breath of the Holy Spirit will restore those things you thought were dead and you will live again. Months and months ago, I was praying about this revival. Prayed about the speakers. Felt good about the speakers. Feel great about the ones who have spoken. Can't wait for Bill Lee tomorrow night. I was looking forward to my friend Joe Dobbins being here tonight. But months and months ago, when I was trying to put it together, the Holy Spirit knew who was going to be in the room tonight. The Holy Spirit knew that it wasn't Joe that was going to be preaching tonight. The Holy Spirit knew he was going to call on me, and the Holy Spirit knew he was going to set this passage in my spirit because somebody in here needs to hear it. And I am not a prophet, but I believe the Lord has called me to prophetically speak over you tonight. If those things you thought were dead, those promises you thought were dormant, those times you feel like you were languishing and you wonder where God is and thinking he forgot you, that catastrophic event you think destroyed you, that death, that addiction, that divorce, that diagnosis, that disease, the Lord is calling me to speak life into you tonight that the Holy Spirit is going to breathe on you and put the very breath of God in you and you are going to rise up and you're going to live once again and joy is going to fill your heart again and hope is going to fill your soul again. Not because of any word that I say, because the Spirit of God has divinely ordained this for right here and right now. Lance, you and the team, you guys, Savannah, y'all come up. I want you to stand all over the building, please. I'm going to say a quick prayer to prepare our hearts. I want you to hear me. You have a dream that hasn't happened. 
You have promises that you think it's taken too long. There's too much water under the bridge. It's never going to happen. Maybe I missed God. Maybe I didn't even hear it right. Or maybe you think God has just forgotten about you. Or you've had that catastrophic event in your life and you think, although it has taken the very breath out of you, God is here to tell you it has not taken the life out of you. If that's you, when I say amen, I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come right down here. I believe the Holy Spirit has ordained this night for you, for him to breathe life into you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender. We have humbled ourselves this entire night. And in humbling ourselves, we have declared that we need you, that you are holy, high and lifted up, that the, your robe has filled your holy temple. And Lord, your spirit is filling this place right here, right now. And God, I pray, as only you can do, that you breathe life into circumstances we thought were dead in the name of Jesus. And Lord, by faith, as you do that right now, we're going to believe. We're going to believe that even when we can't see it, you're piecing our lives and our destiny back together. Lord, we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to bring life back into us and we're going to live again tonight. We believe that now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, if that's you, step out where you are. Don't delay. Come on. Right now. Come on in. Come on. Right where you are. Right where you are. I want you to start by just lifting your hands and saying, Holy Spirit, breathe life into me. Holy Spirit, breathe life into me right now. Come on. Holy Spirit, breathe life into me. Spirit, breathe life into me. We seek come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. So we bring it all. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. I want Every pastor, our elders that are currently serving as board of directors, trustees, or any past elders that have served as board of trustees, I feel you are supposed to pray right now. Here's what I want you to do. Every one of you get down here, and I want you to get among everyone here, all right? And listen to me. As you pray, here's what I need you to pray. And this is all I want you to pray, okay? Pastors, trustees, pray this. Holy Spirit, Breathe life into them. And then I want you to pray, in the name of Jesus, come alive. Holy Spirit, breathe life into them, and in the name of Jesus, come alive. Pastors, trustees, move throughout the people right now. Start laying your hands on their head and praying that right now in the name of Jesus.
Now, I want you to say this. Speak this over your life. Say, because he lives, I live. Because he lives, I live. And I'm alive forevermore. And I will walk with purpose. And I will walk with destiny. Because God has breathed life into me. Now, come on, give him praise right now in this place. Give the Lord praise. Come on. Now, they're going to lead us in a worship song. I want you to sing like you're alive now, okay? Sing like you're alive and believe that now.
and feels like to be alive. Yes. Amen. Yes. Man, I'm already excited about what God's going to do tomorrow night. Amen. Yes. I'm excited about what God's going to do in your life as you walk out of here alive and breathing with destiny and purpose in your life. So when you leave here tonight, I want you to go tomorrow, wherever you're going to, school, work, whatever you're doing, and I want you to have your head up your shoulders square, that smile on your face that looks like somebody has been made alive by the breath of the living God. Amen? Let's do that. Listen, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, literally one of the best preachers I've ever heard, Bill Lee, is going to be with us. And I cannot wait for him to be here and for you to get to be a part of that and what God's going to do in this service tomorrow night. Listen, before you leave, allow me to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. See you tomorrow night.